into going to the top of the Astoria Column. The Astoria Column is in Astoria, Oregon, right at the northwest corner of the state at the Columbia Gorge. It's 125 feet tall. So she got me to climb. It's, you climb on the inside like a lighthouse, and it sits about 600 feet above sea level. So when you get to the top, you can, just, you can see just over the Pacific, and uh, you, you, can, you can see Russia, and you can, well, not quite. And um, so we got to the top, and I was feeling pretty good about it. We opened the door, walked out to the outside of the Astoria column, and Pam went right to the rail and looked over, and I did this, sealed against the column. And I had to keep asking myself, why am I doing this? Last week, so many of you responded in such an incredible way, responded to those leaders who are leading us in this city to have a positive effect in people who are in pain and in suffering. And you responded by signing up and and giving resources. And, And sometime maybe this week or in the weeks to come, when they call you and say, we need your help, in your busy schedule and in the tightness of your resources, you may just ask yourself that question, why am I doing this again? So let me remind you. The day will come when all we see around us will end. And Jesus Christ will create a new earth because this one is so worn out. In fact, the scripture says that that it is in labor pains. And even the shaking that we felt this week or they felt in Chile is part of that shaking of this old earth. And Jesus is going to recreate this earth and also then create a new Jerusalem, the the thing that described as heaven that will come onto this earth. and, And our prayers of come your kingdom be done, your will on earth as it is in heaven will be complete at that moment. And Jesus said when that happens, what will take place is that he will take those he calls sheep and put them on the right and those he calls goats, he put them on the left and he'll say to the sheep, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was in prison and you visited me and I was sick and you came and took care of me. And they will say, when did we do that for you? And he said, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Then he turned to those that were described as goats and he said, when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me water. And and he goes through the whole thing with them and they said, when did we not do that for you? And he said, when you didn't do it for the least of these, you didn't do it for me. And then he says, now leave here because this place is not made for you. You see, our expression of concern for the least of these is a pivotal proof of our following Jesus. And as I said last week, we don't feed the hungry or take care of those who are in pain so that they follow Jesus. We do that because we follow Jesus. And so this morning, we're going to deal with some of those who are truly the least of these. Children who find themselves throughout the world enslaved for sexual purposes and and for labor purposes. This morning, I'm so glad that we have as a guest with us Bruce Latibue. Bruce in the past has been an extreme outdoor adventurer and he's probably in the the greatest adventure of his life right now. And we get to be part of that. We're delighted that his his family's with him and I want to introduce to you his wife Erica and his children, Christian and Rachel. I'm going to invite them to stand so we can welcome you this morning. Bruce has been recognized throughout this world as having what would be called an apostolic ministry or expression. And let me just describe it this way in its simplicity. It means that he has this fathering, spiritual fathering of regions that God puts him in, along with an anointing, meaning the special ability and the authority to function 
and bringing in God's presence and his power with miracles and signs and wonders that follow where God takes him. And God has taken him now is an extreme place, one of the most dangerous places in the world to help rescue children. And we've invited him here this morning because we're going to be part of what he does. Because Jesus said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Would you please welcome this morning Bruce Latibue. Thank you. It is so good to be here today. I have a very serious topic to talk about, and I'm a lighthearted kind of guy, and so sometimes it's a little bit uh, difficult because I get very emotional talking about this whole subject. But a long time ago, I used to make my living as a professional adventurer, as the pastor said, and as I traveled around the world and climbed mountains and did all kinds of crazy things, I I started to notice the, the state of the people. You know, oftentimes we can be so wrapped up in ourselves that that we don't realize what's going on around us. And I was one of those people. I was very wrapped up into what I was doing, pretty narcissistic and self-centered and, and so on. And uh, somewhere in that adventure realm, I became a Christian and got involved in ministry and so on. And, and uh, I guess it was in the early 90s. I was traveling with a, a friend, Dale Armstrong, over in... Uh, we had started to go throughout the Russian countries after the breakup of the Soviet Union. And I started seeing things that just started to break my heart, just really tore at me. And, and uh, I, I would come home and I couldn't sleep at night, just thinking about the children, thinking about uh, what I saw and wondering what I could do. And I felt overwhelmed and so I didn't do anything for a while. I think we, we put shoes on some orphans in, in Romania and did some different things, but you know, it wasn't, it wasn't enough. And then a few years back, uh, I was in Ukraine with a friend, and uh, I had asked him, because we were going over to do some crusades and to preach and, and teach in some Bible schools, I said, look, I, I want to go, but I really want to go out and see what's going on with the children. And we went out with a, a man who is a, a hero. He's a, a pastor who is living in the Ukraine, and he's rescuing children, and he's developed orphanages and, and so on, and had, basically had to fight against the government there because the government wasn't supporting what he was doing. And we went out and we went under uh, buildings and into the sewers. We crawled into sewers and we found that there was thousands and thousands of children that were living in horrible conditions. Uh, I have pictures of children uh, sleeping on mattresses just a few inches above sewage. And we would, we would physically take these kids. They would fight us. We'd physically take them. And we take them to an orphanage. And many of them, you know, they didn't even know where they were. They were so drugged up. They were sniffing glue to take away the hunger pains. And they, they had skin diseases because they were making this, this very basic uh, methamphetamine and shooting it up, you know, just because of the horrid conditions they were living in. And the, there was no hope. And I remember coming back and I just said, you know what, I, I've got to make a difference. I've got to do something for the children. I've got to do something. And I, I still didn't know exactly what I could do because it felt so overwhelming. It was just so huge to know that across this ex-Soviet Union there was tens of thousands of children being sold into prostitution and, and, and so on. And, and, and during that trip we were in uh, Kiev and I actually saw children in cages. It's just unbelievable. We, we as Americans don't realize what's going on around the world. And I came back and I just couldn't sleep night after night. And the Lord was really tugging at my heart that this was going to be my, one of my life calls is to rescue kids, to spend the rest of my life doing this. And uh, 
So last year we had an opportunity to go to Pakistan and we did some crusades over there, one of the most dangerous places on the planet. And we had over 100,000 people show up on our meetings. And we had almost 100,000 salvations. And during that time, we, we addressed a th- about 1,000 leaders. During that time, I said to our host, I said, you know what? I have to go out. You need to take me to the slave places where the children are. So we took commandos with us. I had The whole time I was there, I had 8 to 10 personal commandos, which is a pretty cool thing. And uh, so we went out and we went into these, these places, these brickyards and these these uh, textile factories and the rice fields. And we witnessed little four- and five-year-old kids in forced labor for 14, 12, 14 hours a day. It was 115 degrees while I was there. And the slave owners don't give them any food or water. And I remember looking at my host and I said, you know what, this is totally unacceptable. As long as I'm on this planet as a believer, as a Christian, I'm going to fight against this. I'm going to make a difference. And so I I wanted to share a few things with you this morning is that, you know, all through those years, I want to just read you some statistics here. That, uh, and, and if you get on the internet, you'll find some different statistics. But I got my statistics from UNICEF and, and some reputable organizations. There's an estimated 20 million children, perhaps as many as 40 million, in South Asia and they, tail, they toil in daily servitude, weaving at looms, making bricks, rolling cigarettes by hand, working to pay off debts contracted by their parents in exchange for their labor. Countless others spend their childhood and adolescence in domestic servitude. So there is a crisis in the world. And it's because of the world economic situation, this has been getting worse. Slave, there's probably more slaves today than ever in history. And, uh, and so... You know, I could read you many more statistics about, you know, prostitution and, and street children. But it's, let's just say that it's of a magnitude that we don't understand. And so while we were in, in uh, Pakistan, uh, I came up with a, a plan. I said, let's do two things. Let's start buying the children out of slavery since the, the parents gave the children into the slave conditions because they were in debt. Let's pay those debts off. Let's buy children. And so in the last year we have bought about 35 children out of slavery at a cost of about 200 to 500 dollars a piece and, and people say well you know if you do that is it going to keep uh, escalating and they're just going to make it a business selling children i don't have any other answers right now but we did come up with a, another an, uh, another way this year is where we have formed teams in pakistan and in africa uh, we're working in liberia which just came through 15 years of civil war and and rwanda you know the genocide of rwanda and uh, what we're doing now is, especially in the Asian countries, is we're creating teams to steal children. They're going out, and when the, when the children are out begging, they're just making them disappear. And so what we've done is we have built uh, several orphanages in Pakistan that are in undisclosed locations. Nobody knows where they are. We've filled them up. We have about 250 kids in a Christian school there now. We have another one uh, in another part of the country that has about 100 children. So what we're doing is we're going in, personally going in, and we're either stealing the kids, we're buying the kids, or we're taking them off the streets. It's, it's just something that's incomprehensible. Uh, many of the things that I've seen, I still to this day can't talk about. But I'll tell you what, my heart has grown bigger than my body for children. I, I lay awake at night and I, I'm praying and saying, Lord, give me more strategies. 
how do we do this? You know, we need resources. We need all these things. And so I, I want to just uh, share a scripture with you that uh, this was probably one of the first scriptures that really hit me hard. In Matthew eighteen fourteen, it says this, Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. You know, when I first saw that several years ago, I just, I just kept thinking about that. It's not the will of the Father who's in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. And you know, I, I don't know about you, but I've been a Christian for about 25 years now, and I feel that I'm just now learning what it is to be a Christian. Because I think our whole, the whole substance of Christianity is not living for ourselves. We've been bought with a price. It's to, to come to that realization that my life is not my own. You know, I, left, I lived many years as an adventurer all around the world and doing just wonderful things. And I look back on it and it just seems so empty and shallow. It just seems like I'm just living for myself. But when we start to live for others and we start to reach out and especially the helpless. You know, when, when I sat in a, in a brick field in Pakistan and I sat right down in the ground and I, I looked in a four-year-old boy's eyes that his hands were deformed and his feet were deformed because of the hard work. And, and my, my team there was telling me that this little boy probably works an average of 14 hours a day and he still has to beg for his own food because nobody feeds him. And he drinks out of, uh, of, of, of mud puddles. And I sat down and I looked him in his eyes and I thought, my gosh, as, a, as an American, I have so much. I have so much. And I, I just realized that this is, this is true Christianity is to reach out and, and give our lives away. And you know, that little boy, we didn't get back to him in time, and he died a few days later. And our team over there buries um, sometimes up to five children a day. They go out to the slave fields, they go out to the factories, and they find where the, the, the bodies have been left. Nobody's taking care of them. And they give them a Christian burial. See, this is reality. And this is all across Asia, Pakistan and India and all those countries. And then, you know, I was in... Uh, Guatemala a few years ago and I got to meet the the president of the Congress because in Guatemala there's a a, just a devastation going on where uh, you know women uh, they become pregnant and they have multiple kids the husbands uh, oftentimes abandon them and there's more unsolved murders of uh, women in Guatemala than any place on the planet and we went to address the the whole needs of families there and, uh, and they, they recognized it. They said, well, we're just now learning how to deal with femicide, the mass killing of women. See, we as Americans, we have been given so much. And I believe that God's calling us to be champions, to be champions of the, of the lost and the broken and the, and the poor and, the, and just to be out there with the, with the people. And then there was another scripture that I want to share with you out of Acts chapter 16. And I know this is, this is a hard, a hard message and, and I like to be funny, but there's not a whole lot funny about this. But in Acts 16, it says this about Paul. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. See, this is the key. Their masters saw that their hope of profit was gone. 
one of the things that we're working on, and I hope I'll be, uh, I'll be back over in uh, Pakistan in a, in a few months, and they're expecting several hundred thousand people to come to our meetings. And we're going to meet with 5,000 leaders. They're coming from Afghan and, and Iran and Iraq and, and, and uh, Afghanistan and all these places. And we're going to address the fact that they need to develop their own teams. They need to be rescuing their own children because all the Christian leaders that I met there, they would just look at me when I said, what are you doing for the children? And they, this, they said, it's just, there's too much. It's, it's hopeless. And I'm, we're giving them answers. We're helping them to, to form orphanages and, and build schools. Many of these kids, when we've met them at eight years old, nine years old, did not know their name, their family name. They didn't know what country they lived in. They had no education. And we're making a difference. We're changing that. And uh, so I, there, I have some pictures here, if we could bring those up, that I want to show you. And I'm, I'm really excited because we are making a difference. It's very difficult. You see, this picture here is, is a picture of a boy with a wheelbarrow. Now, I personally picked up this wheelbarrow. It was 115 degrees in heat. And I was out in the, in the, in the brick fields with these children. And that, I estimated that weighed 80 pounds of wet dirt making, for making bricks. And I wheeled it around a little bit and I had a hard time doing it. And this little boy is forced to do that all day long. Because somewhere, somebody got into debt and sold the child to pay the debt. And the tragedy is, is that debt may have been $100. And this boy, you know, worked, maybe worked to pay it off in three months. They'll keep him there for 10 years and never tell him. And they just, they just keep doing this. Children that are put into prostitution. We've rescued many children from prostitution. These children will be sold or put in there and told that they have a year to pay off their debt. And 15 years later, they're still into prostitution. Now, this, this next slide here is interesting because this is a rope factory. These boys all day long, you can see the ropes in their hand. They just run back and forth and they're pulling out the fibers and making the rope. And they have no personal rights. And we have, we have gone into these places. We've paid for children. We've stolen the children. And in some cases, we have just taken them by force because we had all the guns, if you know what I'm saying. See, we're not going to mess around with this. And we're hoping to change things. The next picture is uh, another interesting uh, picture. This little girl... I met personally, she, she was wandering the streets. We brought her into the place where I was staying. We, we were staying in a, in a private home <clears throat> where we were doing the, uh, the healing festivals, is what we call them over there, not crusades. And uh, this little girl, uh, her mother was a prostitute. And they were getting ready to sell her at that age into prostitution, her and a friend. So what I did is I grabbed them and I, we, and I, I gave them to our host. And I, just, I picked them up, gave them to the host. I said, welcome to your new family members. He looked at me and he said, okay. And so they took them in and now they're in a Christian school. They're protected. They're in a very safe place. But this is the kind of world that we're living in. And we as Christians, we can make a difference. We can do it if we do it together. The next slide here is, uh, this is a little boy that was in a rope factory. And this is one of our team members over there. And what he is showing is he's showing the hands of the boy that, is, that are all deformed because of pulling on those ropes 14 hours a day. And, and, just, and all the fibers and the stuff that gets in his hands. The next picture, as we have here, is uh, three boys in a textile factory. Now, this is a really hard picture because right, out, right before we took this, the little boy on the left, 
he was being, we, we walked into this factory and the mother is sitting on a bench with this little boy, the, the boy who's on the left. I didn't know what was going on. So I took, I quickly took a picture of them and we went in and, and then this boy showed up about 15 minutes later as we were walking around. And I was asking questions and talking to the, you know, through translators to the children, asking them their stories and so on. And uh, I looked at the boy and I said, that's the boy that was outside. <clears throat> we went out and the mother was gone. I found out she had just sold him to the factory to be a slave. She had seven children as a Christian in, in some of those nations. There, nobody will hire them. And she was, she was just absolutely in poverty. And she ended up selling one of her child to, to save the rest. We ended up two weeks later, I sent money back to buy that boy back. We paid $300 for him to buy him out of slavery. Now, the next picture that we have here is uh, one of our success stories. As we went around and we saw these children dying and they were sick and we were trying to get them into clinics and, and so on, we noticed that they had no water source. So now what we're doing in one city, of it's a city of 8 million, what we're doing is we have um, guys on bicycles that are taking 10-gallon uh, water jugs. You can see it there, the, the orange uh, water container. And he's taking fresh water to all the orphans. So that's all they do all day long is they just ride around and take fresh water. Isn't that awesome? And, uh, and so that's a success story. And the next picture, <clears throat> these are now great success stories. This is uh, our Children's Rescue Initiative. We started last year. We, we already were uh, featured in Ministry Today magazine because we're being very aggressive. And uh, this picture here is a group of boys that we rescued from slavery. These boys were uh, either in the brick factories, the rice fields, rope factories. Uh, sometimes they're enslaved in cigarette factories. And we got them out and we put them in our orphanage, which is combined with a Christian school now. And these boys made, a, they made up this sign themselves. They, they didn't spell rescue right. And that's why I like it so much. And, uh, but they held up the sign saying thank you so much and sent us a card. Isn't that awesome? You know, we can do so much, can't we? And the next slide here, I think, I don't remember how many, maybe that's the last one, I don't remember. Um, one more, <clears throat> maybe there's several more. But this is a group of kids that we rescued the, the girls from uh, the risk of prostitution or they were being sold. Sometimes these kids will be sold into uh, a house to just be a house cleaner and they have no rights. And we, these are all kids that we've rescued in Pakistan. And it's just wonderful. You know, I'll be over there in a few months and I can't wait to just dive into the group of those kids and hug them all and love them. And these kids have never known a family before. Uh, most of them have never sat at a table and eaten a meal. When I was over there last time, we gave them ice cream and different treats and they're all just eyes getting big and, and so on. And I don't, know, do we, I don't know if we have one more picture there. I'm not sure. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. This is a house we just bought in a very uh, secret location uh, in uh, Pakistan. And uh, we paid about $9,000 for this house. We just got it a month ago. And we have 22 children living in it. And they're sitting on the floor eating meals. These children have never, ever had steady meals. They've never sleeping in beds. So we've bought them all beds. And we're going to do this a lot. We're going to buy more houses and house more kids. And it's really interesting because... Uh, you know, when you look at this and they're sitting on the floor, you think, oh, you know, that's kind of dirty. But it is like a palace to these children. It is an, uh, an amazing thing. You know, how many of you could say that, you know, you, you need to come to the realization like I did, my life is not my own. I know we really need to be there. We need to realize that what we've been created for is beyond ourselves. 
And one of the things that we want to do is create more schools and more orphanages. And, and, and uh, I would, you know, I believe that we have uh, the influence we, we have right now in several countries is just has boggled my mind. I'm just amazed that I, I've been getting calls from members of parliament. We've had uh, uh, possibly this year I'll be getting to meet with a head of state of one of the countries. And so God is just really doing some amazing things. And this last picture here is uh, in Rwanda where we're doing some work. We have a, a great ministry that we're working with there. They have 800 orphans and they have no place to put them. So what we've been doing, we, we haven't had the, the capital to do it a lot, but about once a month we're feeding all 800 kids right now. And these kids, some of them are sleeping on the street still. Some of them are sleeping in church buildings and so on. But when you look at those faces, that's a beautiful group of kids. And we're feeding them and, and uh, trying to get medical care. Many of these children have a lot of physical problems. They have parasites and, and different things. And uh, we were able to get some medicine over to Pakistan to, to get these kids uh, you know, healthy. So we're, we're really working uh, hard to, to see these uh, children uh, free and rescued. A couple of the things that... Uh, let me just share that part of our strategy <clears throat> has been to go into a country and do these crusades because it gains such favor. When we were in Pakistan, uh, Pastor Robert Corey and Pastor Al Gurnovich uh, were with, uh, with me on that. And we held a crusade that was absolutely, it just, it just uh, went so far beyond what I expected. I thought maybe, you know, we'd get a couple thousand. We ended up with 100,000 people in our meetings. And we started to pray. And, and when I had a salvation call, every, pl- every hand that I could see, as far as I could see, every hand shot straight up. They wanted to receive Jesus. And then when we, we started to pray for people to be healed because there was so much sickness and a lot of these people have no medical care. So we were just you know, calling on God to heal people. And we saw such phenomenal, phenomenal, just absolutely incredible, phenomenal miracles. Phenomenal. And it just, just blew my mind. And this one woman came up on the stage. I need to tell you this story because this is what God's doing. She came up to the stage. All I could see was her eyes. She was a Taliban woman. All I could see was her eyes. And she handed me a baby face down with a tumor about this big on the back, just sticking up. And I just put my hand on it and said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. And they whisked her away. They, I think uh, some other team members prayed. And we found out just a little bit later that she took that baby home, placed it in her Taliban husband's hands, and the tumor disappeared before his eyes. And it sent shockwaves through the community. <clears throat> shockwaves. <clears throat> That's right. We had a Muslim man that came up and he had traveled for two days to get to the meetings. And he had a, a severely deformed leg. And we just simply prayed for him. And just before our eyes, there was all kinds of witnesses. Bang, 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 bang. The leg went right back into place and was healed. See, God's doing such marvelous things. Jesus loves Pakistan. Jesus loves uh, uh, India. Jesus loves Guatemala. Jesus loves Liberia and Rwanda and all these other places. He's in love with these people. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to challenge you today because I really believe that God wants us to be champions. I believe that we're being called to be champions of the Most High God. That we as individuals... You know, I, I was thinking recently... You know, that the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in me. That same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, it dwells in me. 
The Bible says that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. We have such ability that we've never tapped into. I believe when the church comes to realize its potential, we are going to see the changing of our world. I believe that. And so I, just a few more things to share with you. You know, really the mandate that I have is to reach the unreachable and touch the untouchable and to love the unlovable. You know, many of the people that we have ministered to, you know, they're, they're just like trash to the, to the society there. Nobody pays attention to them. Nobody cares about them. They just, a lot of these children, I was told by some people that many of the children that are in slavery, many of the children, they never reach into their teenage years. They die before that. How many of you would say, yeah, I'd, I'd like my life to make a difference in a child's life? How many of you in here could say that? Because that's what it's all about is, is our life. So let me, let me just say this. Is, I've been thinking about just the whole theme of being a champion. You know, we can be a champion for Erie. We can be a champion to reach out to the needy, like Pastor was talking about. We can be a champion for children. And as I was meditating on this and really thinking about the, the depth of this, the Lord take, took me to David in the cave of Abdullam. You remember the story? David was fleeing from Saul. And he was, you know, in fear. And he ended up in a cave. And his friends and, and so on heard about it. And they all showed up there. And the Bible says they were in distress they were discontent and they were in debt. Well, that's, that paints a, a picture of a, just a ragtag group of guys. You know, what are they ever going to do for the world? What can they ever do? It says they're in debt and they're discontent and, and all these different things. They didn't know what life was all about. And then a couple chapters over in Second Samuel, that was in First Samuel uh, 22, I believe, where it talks about the cave of Abdullam. A couple chapters over... It talks about the mighty men of David. Shama, the great man who had been in the cave. Shama was uh, uh, defending a patch of, of beans from the Philistines by himself and he won. Now what happened from the time that they were in the cave to the time they were champions? There was a heart change somewhere. They started seeing themselves differently. They started seeing themselves as the way that God sees us. That we are champions. That greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. People all the time ask me, aren't you afraid? I've been afraid so many times I can't even count. But the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love. And so when I, when I start to get a little bit afraid, I, all I have to do is picture the face of a child. And I'll go boldly where no man has gone before. You see, I believe that's in all of us. We're all called to be champions for Christ whether it's just reaching Erie, Pennsylvania, reaching out to, to our neighbors, reaching out to children. You know, let me just say this, that a while back, I was talking to a, a, a pastor, and he said to me, why would you waste your time going overseas? Those people don't, nobody cares. And he was serious. And I looked at him and I said, you know what? God cares. Jesus cares. And I found that attitude to be a lot. People say, oh, you're doing that? Oh, you know, it's like when we turn on TV, you know, and it's all the starving children with the big stomachs. We turn the channel real quickly. But I want to tell you what I believe because I travel all over the world. I've ministered in dozens of nations around the world. I believe that God's calling us as Christians in America to launch out like we've never done before, to reach our neighbors, to reach our community, to help the poor, to... You know, give, give groceries away, whatever it takes. 
That's my motto is whatever it takes. And I believe that God's calling us. If we want to see God move like, like we want to see, I believe when we step out of the boat like Peter did and we start getting out into what I call the discomfort zone, man, that's where God's glory is. That's where it's at. Taking the church beyond the walls and, and getting out there and seeing great things. How many moms do we have in here? Just raise your hand so I can see. How many moms? God's lots of moms. Let me ask you a question. If, if somebody were to attack your child, would you fight for them? You'd turn into Whoa, ninja mom, wouldn't you? You would. You'd be kicking and scratching and biting and whatever. See, we think about that as our own kids, but do you know those kids that are in Pakistan? Those are our kids. Because we are, we are a family, a worldwide family. And I, I, I just can't sleep at night sometimes because I have these, these pictures. You know, these bottles of water here, uh, you're going to find out in just a few minutes how you can help through these. And I'm just so blessed. And, and so I hope that, you know, you can stop by our table out there and get some of our literature, sign up for our, our uh, Children's Rescue Initiative update that we send out once a month with all the great stories and all the, the pictures of rescued kids and, and so on. But I really hope you get involved. I hope that, that something today has tugged in your heartstrings and that, that uh, gosh, you know, this is the mandate from God. It's not His will that one of these little ones would perish. Can I just pray over you for a second? Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I thank You so much. And I praise You and honor You that, Lord, our hearts would expand that, Lord, that we would have a vision that's beyond ourselves, that we would start to see that as Christians we have been created to live for others, that we are to to see this world change, that we are to be champions of Your love. We're to be champions of Your love. Lord, just like David had to release the stone, the widow woman had to release the, the measure of meal, the little boy had to release the loaves and the fishes, I thank You, Lord, that we would be able to release Your love. I thank You, Lord, that we would be people of Your love, that we would be known as a people of God's love. I pray for an anointing. I pray for a stirring. I pray, Lord, that Your Holy Spirit would really minister to each and every person today. Lord, I know that there's many people in here that have a heart for children. And I thank You, Father God, that You would stir them up. I thank You, Father God, that this church... Would, would see a revolution in this region, Lord, and beyond. And I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What amazes me this morning is the depth of compassion and the amount of danger this man goes through, and yet he stands before you as if he's talking to you about just something that normally happens in life. So that's why I'm going to encourage you to be sure you pray for the Children's Rescue Initiative. You pray for Bruce and his family and the team that worked so hard to make this possible. I taught you last week and said that all God asks us to do is to do what we can. In Bruce's prayer, he talked about the child who gave the the loaves and the fish, and then God multiplied it. 
And so this morning I ask you to join with us not only to pray for them, but that in just a moment we're going to be receiving our tithes and our offerings. And the tithes are those, that 10% that you bring that declares that God is Lord of your life. So that goes to the storehouse here. But in addition to that, I'm asking you for offerings this morning and especially uh, that you would give so that we can support this ministry. And so if you'll take an envelope and just put to the least of these on that, then we will make sure that that gets uh, to help rescue children and to help into those ministries that we've been talking about. So as you prepare yourself to do that, and I'm going to tell you that everybody can do something. Some of you may just have a dollar you can do. Some of you may have a $1,000, but we're going to ask you to do what you know that you can do. In addition to that this morning, I asked you to come prepared. And I know the snow has kept some of our folks away today, so we'll, we'll get them next week on this. But we need to sustain this. It's not just an offering today, but we need to have this sustained ability to, uh, to continue reaching out. And in your service folder, there's a card that says to the least of these. And it says, with God's help, I'm going to be able to do something every week or every month, and I'm going to ask God to put it in my hands. Some of you can just give up a latte. Some of you can can give up buying a new something, and that you can support every month so that we can support the 99 missionaries and the 38 agencies and the friends that we've had with us in these last weeks so that we can positively affect to the least of these. And, and, And your motivation's got to be my motivation too, which is this. To the degree that I didn't help somebody, I didn't help Jesus. And if I have the ability to help them, then I should. And so I'm going to ask you to prepare yourself to do that this morning and fill out one of these cards. Do what Pam and I have done today. We put down our name, and uh, they know where to get a hold of me, but you can put your address. And, uh, and our monthly faith promise. And I want you to join with us today. Fill that out, and then um, we're going to continue reminding our folks to do that. In just a moment, I'll t- we'll tell you about this water because it's a great idea. And we're going to give you a bottle here in just a few moments to take with you. But would you prepare yourself to support these ministries and especially this Children's Rescue Initiative? Ushers, would you come, please?